Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 142. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT Podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm excited to have you here today. While you're working out, walking the dog, doing dishes, or sitting on the 405 on the way to school at UCLA. And I mentioned UCLA because UCLA, by sheer numbers, is the largest producer of applicants to medical school every year. It's a big school. And apparently, they don't have very good advising. If you're a student at UCLA, I would love to find out what advising looks like there. So give me a, a shout. Email me, Ryan at Medical School. HQ.net. This week, we're continuing on with our breakdown. Next up, test prep pulling 10. Let's go ahead and say hello to Clara. Clara, back for some more MCAT podcast here. Passage seven of Next Step Test Prep, full length 10, Psych Soch. Uh, we have uh, another awesome passage here that you're going to dive into. What do we need to know about our passage today? Ooh, so this passage is um, actually the second passage in this section about group psychology. Uh, group psychology is actually huge on the MCAT. And in particular, this one's going to be about the bystander effect, um, this idea of helping others um, under different circumstances. And it's going to talk about uh, a study that they did. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's see. Um, passage seven. Researchers sought to investigate the impact context has on helping behaviors. In a seminary college, researchers conducted an experiment in which 42 student participants were told researchers were assessing their views and their performance on a task. Participants first completed measures assessing personality variables. The participants were then told they were to report to another building to give a talk on a topic. Half of the participants were told they would be giving a talk on being a good Samaritan, a biblical parable involving an individual who helps another person. The other participants were told to give a talk about employment for students. In addition, one-third of the students were told that they should hurry to the talk. One-third were told they had sufficient time, and one-third were told they had more than sufficient time to arrive. Researchers planted a confederate who appeared to be in distress, coughing severely and appearing to be in need of help. Participants encountered this individual on the way to their talk. Researchers observed and recorded whether or not the participants stopped to help this individual. Researchers classified helping behavior by type of talk, 
Samaritan, or occupation, and by level of urgency, hurry, sufficient, or more than sufficient. The researchers found that the type of talk and level of urgency both significantly impacted helping behavior. The results are presented as follows. And then we have a graph here. Um, if you are just listening to this podcast, you might not be able to see it, but it's pretty simple. Uh, we see Samaritan on the left and occupation on the right. And we see that for all the different um, time groups, the hurry, sufficient, or more than sufficient, we see that the people who are giving the talk on being a Samaritan had a higher percentage of participants who helped than the people who gave the talk on the occupation. And we also see that um, the participants who had more than sufficient time were more likely to help this person than the people who had just enough time, and those were more likely than the people who were in a hurry. So it kind of makes sense. Interesting. It's kind of sad looking at the overall percentages of those who helped. I'm like, wow, that's uh, that's that's sad at a seminary college. But hey, oh, oh yeah, psychology. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> um. So question thirty seven: Participants who did not help may have believed other students would help. What dynamic does this attitude represent? A availability heuristic. B cognitive dissonance. C, differential association, or D, diffusion of responsibility. Um, I was hoping that bystander effect would be here because that's the one I know of where you're like, <laughs> oh, somebody else will take care of it. Um, diffusion of responsibility sounds too too easy. And so um, I might go to that. Availability heuristic, we talked about that one uh, in a previous episode, and I don't think that would fit here. Cognitive dissonance we talked about in a previous episode. I forget what that one means already. Differential association. I don't know. I'm going to go with diffusion of responsibility and hope that that is is the answer. That is the answer. Okay. Huh. Great. Again, it's one of those where it's like, ah, it sounds too right. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I know. It's 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 tough for sure. Um, but yeah, just because it sounds right, that that is sort of a mark in its favor. So mm -hmm. it makes it more likely to be right. Uh, it doesn't make it guaranteed. So is it, it? It almost seems like is is diffusion of responsibility. Is that the bystander effect? Is that the the like a real term for bystander effect? It's one factor that contributes to the bystander effect. Okay. Uh, so it's not the only factor. Uh, so with the bystander effect. Um, part, part of it is diffusion of responsibility, so thinking other students will help, um, but that might not fully explain the bystander effect. We're actually still studying the bystander effect pretty uh, significantly, mm -hmm. uh, pretty extensively. So, yeah, it's just a major contributing factor to the bystander effect, and that makes it perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, if we want to look at the others real quick, um, yeah. availability heuristic. Um, yeah, so availability heuristic is a heuristic, so it's like a mental shortcut. And this one in particular, it relates to us tending to use information that's more available to us, like maybe information we hear more often or more recently. Uh, so it's not relevant. And cognitive dissonance refers to this really uncomfortable mental state people fall into when their behaviors and their attitudes don't line up, essentially. Like maybe they're behaving in a way that is the opposite of something that they actually believe. So that's not relevant either. And then differential association is actually a theory that relates to uh, why certain people develop criminal tendencies, and it's definitely not relevant here either. Okay. All right. Yeah, hopefully nobody in the seminary college is developing criminal uh, 
uh, actions or whatever. <laughs> Hopefully not. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Number 38. Which of the following would not increase the likelihood of a participant helping the Confederate? A, if participants viewed helping the Confederate as being more rewarding than the talk. B, if another individual expressed concern about the Confederate. C, the Confederate appearing to be in a different school than the participant. Or D, the participant being familiar with that area of campus. Ooh. Um... Which would not increase the likelihood of a participant helping? Uh, so if the participants viewed helping as more rewarding, that seems like that would increase the likelihood of uh, helping. Uh, B, if another individual expressed concern about the Confederate. Mm. I don't know if that is going to diffusion of responsibility. If someone else is expressing concern, maybe you would think, oh, that person will help if they're expressing concern. Um, so that one's kind of an iffy one. See the Confederate appearing to be in a different school than the participant. That one's interesting because then you question like, oh, they're not me. Uh, they're not part of my group, so I'm not going to help. Uh, the participant being familiar with that area of the campus. So that that one doesn't sound like it would be it either. Um, so I'm between B and C. Um, oh, man. I I would go with C, I think, um, because the, the different school than the participant. Good choice. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, these questions where they're not really about terms that you need to know, they're more they're more just like uh, which the following is most likely or least likely. Uh, they can be answered with a little bit more common sense, right? Uh, so here that's exactly what you can use. You can say, oh, if the Confederate appears to be from a different school, then they're going to be less like the participant and the participant might not feel the sort of kinship with them. And so that would not increase the likelihood of the participant helping. And if we think of it more rigorously more scientifically we can think of the idea of in groups versus out groups which is big on mcat psychology where people at the same school as a participant would be in their in group but people from a different school would be in their out group and we tend to not um in general not treat members of an out group as well as we would treat members of an in group yeah all right question 39 according to the study what effect might being told to give a talk on the Good Samaritan have had on participants? Uh, and just kind of quickly referring to the graph one more time, or the figure, we, we uh, as you stated, the Samaritan group uh, had a higher likelihood of uh, helping the Confederate uh, um, person in need. So uh, a de decreased empathic response B, priming effect for helping behavior. C, increased conditioned response. Or D, inhibition of startle response. <laughs> so uh, D just seems ridiculous. So I'm going to throw D out right away. Um, increased condition uh, doesn't seem like that would make sense. So uh, a decreased empathic response doesn't make sense. Uh, because an increased empathic response would tell me that they would be more likely to help. 
Uh, and so B priming effect, I, I think, makes more sense because you're told to, uh, you're giving a talk on being a good Samaritan. So you're priming your brain about thinking about being a good Samaritan and therefore you're, go- you're going to potentially act more like one. So I would go with priming effect B. Perfect. Yeah, and that's exactly exactly why and all of your rationale was correct too. But yeah, priming effect is where you present someone with uh, some idea or some visual or something like that earlier and then later ask them about it or later um, ask them to perform certain behaviors. Uh, you can impact their later behaviors by, by priming them earlier. So that's what happened here. All right. Startle response, is that is that just a, a, a random throw in or is there something we need to know about that? No, it's totally random. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the increased conditioned response. What was that one? That's the only one I didn't really touch on. Yeah. So that is uh, related to classical conditioning where we'll see like Pavlov's dogs, you know. So, um, you know, the Pavlov's dogs were presented with food. Oh, conditioning. Yeah. That kind of conditioning. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That kind of conditioning. Okay. We don't have that here. We don't have these uh, sort of associations forming between a yeah. stimulus and a response. That's operant conditioning versus some other conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. Classical, yeah. yeah. Versus operant. All totally. Right. Man, that pulling, that, <laughs> pulling that out from somewhere. Okay. Um, all right. So... Passage seven in the books. We have a few more passages, a few more, a uh, couple more discretes, and we'll be done with full length ten. So here's here's to some more in the in the coming weeks. Exciting. All right, there we go. Passage seven from Next Step Test Prep Full Length Ten. If you are in the market for an MCAT course, if you have just got gotten back your MCAT score and you're like, uh oh, maybe I should have taken a course go check out mcatcoursereview.com. That will take you to a video that I did breaking down Next Step's MCAT course. They are, according to a lot of students and according to what I've seen, the best MCAT course out there, value for value. It's a, a much better value than any of the courses that you're going to find. It They're in the middle of redoing it, which is crazy because it was already very well done to begin with, but you get tons of videos you get access to all of their full-length exams. You get live office hours every day with one of their top tutors, Phil. At least that's who's doing it right now. And so much more. So go check out their course. Again, go to mcatcoursereview.com or go to nextsteptestprep.com. Check out that course and you can use the promo code MCATPOD for $50 off that course. Again, nextsteptestprep.com or mcatcoursereview.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. 